0: Hey, hey, remarkable people, this is Tracy Robbins, and you are listening to Thy Neighbor Podcast. This podcast is designed to inspire you to expand your community, to connect more often with those who are in your path, and of course, to love thy neighbor as thyself. You will hear from individuals in my day-to-day life who are crushing it and making the world a more lovely place to inhabit. Have a listen. Hello, Kira Blackman and Jessica King. Today, I have not just one amazing person, but two. And yes, one of them is going to co-host with me today. So I'm going to have Jessica King, who is a friend, and she was on the podcast previously. Uh, So she's on today to interview Kira Blackman, and I'm so excited to have her on. Kira has, I feel like, many unique experiences and expertise, and so we're going to share a little bit more about who she is, and Jessica is going to introduce Kira to us today.
1: Yes, Kira and I go back quite a ways, um, and I'm happy to introduce her. She's one of... uh, a good friend from childhood and we recently connected after quite a few years. So, um, which I'm grateful we did because I have been learning already so much from her strength. She's a, she's a inspiration already to me. Um, she's a talented hairstylist and personal trainer and a wonderful mom to her daughter, Penny. Uh, I really liked our recent conversation that we had about our talents and the gifts that we have been given and she described herself as being a place a safe place for people and I really couldn't agree more with her as she talks about kind of what she does for a living and and working with people so I think that's kind of where I wanted to let's get into here Kira and how how kind of she's become that safe place so uh, I I think the first question I have for Kira is tell us your story and highlight some of the themes of your life and kind of how maybe you've become this safe place for people.
0: Oh my goodness.
2: You started off with a giant question. So uh, my life in a nutshell, kind of how I've gotten here is um, I feel like, Even when I was little, I just, I like, you know, you have that sparkle. I think everybody kind of has a little sparkle that people are drawn to. And I definitely think that when I was younger, like your bubbly self that you see, um, I think that I was just people from me and they either like just wanted, I don't know. I just have always had that little sparkle. But um, from there, um, I, let's start with, I know you from way back in Haley. I'm from Haley, Idaho. Um, And Jessica was like my second family we were over there all the time. My mom would, um, my mom was a single mom, just like I am. And she would, we would go over to the King's house all the time and play and hang out. And they were just like a second family to me. Um, and uh, so I, I remember starting hair, we would do hair in the basement with the steam curlers. And I think Jess taught me how to braid, um, but I, I always had really long hair. And so that's probably what sparked my hairstylist um, venture, but um, in high school, You know, we moved up here to Eagle, Idaho with my mom. Um, My dad stayed in Haley and he was there for a really long time. So Jess and I still stayed in touch a little bit, but I was mainly in Eagle, Idaho. When we moved, um, it was was the beginning of high school and that's kind of when your self-esteem is hit a little bit. You know, it's really hard for kids to grow up and going to a new place and coming from a small town to a really big town. I think my sparkle just kind of got like hidden a little bit because I was really shy. And um, when I was younger, I was a little bit, I was always athletic, but I was pretty chubby too, you know? So like, I think that um, I just kind of decided to deem myself the fat kid. And uh, when I was in my junior year of high school, I decided that I didn't want to be shy and the fat kid anymore. And da so um, I decided to chop my hair off, which was my safe place. And I lost a lot of weight and then, um, but it also kind of sent me in, uh, the direction where I got attention and praise and that type of thing for losing weight and, and changing my out, like my outlook and whatnot. So I think I just dove way too deep into it. And so then when I went away to college, um, I was just very malnourished and exercising all the time and researching everything and like deciding I was going to live off the land, you know, off of like raw food, whatever. But I just went a little too far because I think that I got a lot of attention from it. And, um, I was afraid to let go of that identity. So I got myself back into another identity crisis. And, um, when I went away to college and I came back, um, I was training for a marathon in San Francisco And my mom, I ended up passing out at a red light or at a light and got in a car accident. And my mom took me to the hospital after and they had said that I was just like my heart had started eating itself because I was so malnourished that um, I was. So my mom put me on house arrest for like I think it was like two weeks or something like that. They were like, you cannot walk, you cannot run, you cannot, you could have a heart attack, whatever. And they sent me to a rehab facility in um, Salt Lake for a couple months for people with eating disorders. And um, I think that's where I really, that changed my life because um, that was a group of people who all thought they didn't belong there. They didn't have a problem, you know, when you go through therapy with uh, amazing women and people who... You know, you learn from each other and and they give you a plan and they take away. They created the safe space for me. You know, they gave me the space to be vulnerable and to be uncomfortable and to do all of the scary things. And I knew that they weren't going to let me fall and fail and become fat or whatever. At that point, that was my biggest fear, right? Um, so that was my safe place. And that was, I think, the start of seeing what you can give to somebody because we all kind of go through those things in our life. Um And so then, when I came back uh, from all of that, I decided I can't do this on my own. That's when I really leaned into community and I reached out for a trainer because I knew that I needed somebody to make a plan for me that I could follow that had my back, you know, and that's really when I started weightlifting instead of running and um, eating correctly, and, you know, just not being afraid of um, taking on new challenges. And so, That was kind of my introduction into personal training. And I loved how it gave me, I love becoming stronger. And I love knowing that, you know, finding what my body's capable of and having people who believe in you. And when you have people who believe in you, just how far you can go and you just, so that's, that's what sparked me. I just wanted to make people feel better and believe in them before they believe in themselves because it changed my life. So that's kind of how I ended up here. Oh, and it's funny too. Sorry. This is a really long answer, but Jessica's little sister, Courtney, I have always loved doing hair and I've always had so much hair. And when I was working in the boat shop, I was like, I need to go back to college and get a degree. And I didn't know what I wanted to to do, you know? Right. And so Courtney was like, well, just come to hair school with me. And I was like, okay, I will. (laughs) So then 14 years later,
0: I do hair, but
1: I didn't know that. That's
0: pretty awesome. <laughs> I know you also are a personal trainer. How did you transition from having a trainer to being a person or like to being a personal trainer? How did that happen? Fitness has always been a
2: big thing for me starting from when I was in high school and losing weight. Right. I became really passionate about food and the body and what you can do with it and how it changes and adapts. And it's just an amazing it's an amazing thing. Our bodies are amazing. So that's really where it started. Um, and then the personal training, when I was working with a personal trainer, um, I did a show and that was about probably, I want to say like 10 years ago, a long time ago. And after the show coming off the show, I, um, I wasn't too pleased with the way that they just dropped people like that trainer at that time. And so I just, from there, I've, I've, Just friends and things like that you know I've kind of been their cheerleader because it's like it messes with your mind so much and so then um I kind of did that and then um I've just trained myself for the past eight years or whatever and then I decided you know what I've gotten myself to a point where I want to be pushed more um and I got my training certification I think four years ago but I didn't really do much with it um And then two years ago I started working with a trainer just to push myself more. And I did another show, um, back in November and I did really well, but so I started with him and he's an amazing trainer. Like he's an amazing coach. He just believes in you and is loving and all that. And I'm like, that's what I want to do. So he opened his own gym, uh, just at the beginning of this last year. And, um, he asked me to come train with him over there at his gym. So now we just have a community of people that I really believe in
0: the way that they do things. So I'm training over there now. Mm -hmm. Well, congratulations. That's awesome. Thank you. And I'm also just something that I'm still trying to extract because there's a lot in that question about your story. So can you um, tell me about how long were your parents divorced and that you were with, so, like, how long did you live without your father and your mother together? Yeah. Okay. So, my parents got divorced. I think I was
2: I was six, five or six. Um, and my parents, they both lived in Haley um, until I was probably 13. And then that's when my mom moved up to Eagle. Um, my dad did get remarried when... Uh, I was, I think, eight years old to my stepmom. And then they had another son when we, right before we moved. So I have a younger brother who's quite a bit younger than me and they stayed in Haley. So my dad and my stepmom stayed in Haley with my, I have an older brother and my half brother, my younger brother. And then my mom, she got remarried and moved up here to Eagle and took my sister and I with her. And so we would see my dad, you know, um, every now and again, but it wasn't like a regular thing when we moved. Okay, does that answer your question?
0: Yeah, and I guess one of my questions is like I, I noticed that during high school, you mentioned that this is when you became like, oh, I'm no longer going to be the fat girl, or I'm no longer going to identify myself this way. So I'm going to make these changes. Um, and it, and then you got all this attention for making these changes that were perceived as positive things. Um, but I'm curious, how did you, how have you readjusted your identity so that you're not defined by just being a, like even a bodybuilder a body now, or that you were the fat girl then, or that now you're the fit. How have you readjusted your identity so that you're more grounded?
2: It's a challenge. It's always a challenge. I mean, because like even being a bodybuilder, um, recently I I placed well, and then I was asked to go to nationals, but like, even now I fight with that identity because I'm like, I'm not really there for that, but there's that pressure to be, you don't want to let people down or you want to be, this is who I am. And if I don't follow through, people are going to think this or this or this or this or whatever. And it's like, even, um, like, uh, I just think that you aren't your achievements. Like there's so much more to you than just what you achieve because in everything that I've done in my life, it's like, there's like this season and people want to feed on that or, or praise you for that thing or whatever, but it it doesn't last forever. So it's like, if you base yourself on being, you know, the fit chick or the skinny girl or the great mom or whatever you label yourself as it, you're not going to be in the limelight forever, you know what I mean? So it's like you can't live there because you're never going to be good enough, you're never going to be that all the time. It shifts and it changes with what's happening in life. And I think to keep myself grounded, it's always a challenge. But like when I let go and allow, I guess that's what I've learned is if I just Allow what's next to happen, and even though it's uncomfortable, if I lean into the uncomfortable and I just let it happen, and I know like you can feel it, there's like a you know when something's coming, and you're so scared to let go of what you are because it's like that's who I am, and I know it, and I'm scared to let go of it because I'm you don't know what's next. But if you let go of it, then it's like even cooler the next person that you are like we're constantly evolving and it's like if you aren't evolving then you're just there so I think it's nice to think like you you gotta you gotta roll yourself up in a cocoon before you become the butterfly right and be uncomfortable and tight and confined but you'll get there if you just allow it to happen and let go you know I don't know I
1: was um I I love I love that. And when you, <clears throat> we, we had a conversation kind of talking about how God has kind of played into this, this letting go a little bit. And so I guess I'm curious now too, kind of your, how has God kind of helped you with some of this process or this letting go or how has that, you know, helped you in your journey? Ah. Uh.
2: That's a big question, but I think he's been there oh, Me to cry. <laughs> I think he's been there since the beginning. I think that God made me um, the big kid for a reason, because had I not gone through that, I wouldn't know what it's, I wouldn't be able to speak to people and really understand what it's like to go through that. You know, had I not gone through the, losing a bunch of weight and getting the attention for it and feeling like this and that and this, I wouldn't know what people are going through. And and an identity crisis is something that so many people struggle with because we all want to know what makes us important. We just want to be important. And I think that having a tangible identity as to this is what makes me important and different and unique and this and this and this, is just a tangible explanation, you know? So I think that I can relate to a lot more people. And then I also think that along the way, God has just constantly been telling me like, you know, he sends me little reminders all the time. Even when I was in the counseling session, like in a counseling group, the rehab place, I remember journaling for the first time. And I remember like writing an exercise they would have us do is like have a conversation with yourself. Right. And like, I would have this voice and then I, then, then it would be like, no, you're blah, 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 blah. And then it'd be like, well, no, what about blah, blah 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 blah, and blah, 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 blah. And then I distinctly remember when a third voice came in and it was just like, it was like, who's that? Like that's God, you know? And it's just in all of my journeys, I feel like people have taught me things and been my guide. Like, I also think that God has sent me people along the way when I need them, they come in at the perfect time. And then I learn a lesson and they go away. And for me too, I think that's something that God has taught me. It's like, Kira, like who's the lesson for, right? I'm using you. I am trusting you with this piece of something. Even my daughter, I think like, he gave me Penny because he trusted me with Penny and people around me needed to learn certain lessons, including myself. Penny isn't here for just me. She's here for everyone around us, right? Same with me. Everything that I do is not just for me. It is There is a lesson in it for me, but also for somebody else. Does that make sense? So I think that God has just totally taught that to me and he's told me like, He's going to, you know, that God won't give you more than you can handle, right? Well, it's true. And it's kind of flattering when you think about the the hard times in life, because it's like, God's trusting you with this insanely difficult mission, but he knows he's like, here, I know you can do this. It's going to be super hard, but I need somebody to do it. And I'm trusting that you can do it. And to me, that is like the ultimate flattery to say, God's giving me this important mission and he's trusting me with it. Like, wow, instead of what is me, it's like, wow, I'm honored and I'm going to do the best I can to live out your mission that you've given me, you know, because it's not just about me, it's about everybody. And I, I think that that's been why I love working with people so much is because I think God's made me who I am. So I can touch a lot of people.
1: Well, what is something that you have learned through the journey with body positivity, whether it's with God through your community that you would want to share with others who might be struggling with those same things?
2: First of all, I think that our bodies, if you just think about your body and how absolutely amazing it is, um, it's hard to be mean to it. Like, I mean, the fact that our bodies can adapt to anything. And I believe that that is God's given us this vehicle that can literally take a heart from somebody else, put it in you and adapt it and make it become part of you. That's mind blowing, like to me, there's nothing cooler than our bodies. And the fact that we're like, oh, you body shame. It's like, no, this is the most amazing, to me, our bodies, I am just blown away all the time, all the time. And the fact that you get, you get to do anything you want with your body, you get to do anything you want with your body. Why would you sit there and shame it and, 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 and be icky with it? And it's like if somebody gave you a Ferrari, right? Because we're all Ferraris. Somebody gave you a Ferrari, you're not going to go and like take your muddy shoes and stomp all over the interior and then throw eggs at it and then like puke all over in it. I mean, like, why would you treat this gift that you've been given like that? I don't, that's what I think of with my body. Every time I go to the gym, I am like blown away by what little Kira's body can do. And the fact I'm doing the show, like adapting to the show, your body goes through huge adaptations. It starts to slow things down so that you can keep living. It will start to use things in different ways. When you give it more food, it speeds up. Like your body is like, okay, I'm gonna. My coach called me a cockroach because he's like, you just won't die. Like, you know, your body won't let you die. And I'm like, that's because God's cheering for us. He's going, I'm not gonna let you die until you're done. Like, treat treat this, this, you know, like talks about your body being in your temple. It's so true. And you can make your body whatever you want. I use this analogy one time. It's like, if you want to be like a monster truck, go be a monster truck. You can go get your big muscles and lift heavy stuff and train your body to do those things. If you want to be a speed car, go train your little butt off and be a speed car. If you want to be like just a happy little, you know, ladybug or whatever, slug bug, just happy as can be cruising around. You can be that. You can be whatever you want. Your body is a vehicle to carry around who you want to be. You're in control of that like, and God's giving you this highly adaptable, amazing gift to do that. And then I look at people all the time too, like where it's like, you know, be be grateful for your legs. Like if you're looking in the mirror and it's like, and I'm not going to say I don't struggle. I struggle all the time because it's that identity thing, right? Like I need to be super fit or I'm a failure or whatever, but that's identity crisis. That's not reality, right? But like, if you're looking at your legs and you're going, oh, they're fat or they aren't good enough. Think about people who don't have legs. They're going, you get to walk lady. I don't really know why you're complaining. Like, you know, I think about that all the time and people with no legs, they still do whatever they want because their body adapts to how to do it. So it's like you, you, you're, we're really, just so gifted and that's why I think my body positivity is so because I'm just super blessed to have a functioning body that you can do what you want to with it you know I don't know
1: do you feel like you're um because it sounds like you you have a lot of gratitude and um I I do think that's also a mindset uh so to me like, how would you share with a client or someone who comes in and they don't have those things? Because it's like, how did you get there, Kira? How did you get to the, the gratitude mindset? Or how did you get to be in this place where you could see your body in such a beautiful light? Um, because I think that is part of the struggle with a lot of people. And the question that a lot of people... They have is like well how'd you how'd you do that how'd you go from mentally kind of going from identity crisis to our fluctuations of you know normal life or you know all those things to being in this beautiful place where you are now where you have a little more balance you know where you can yeah yeah
2: that's a really I'm not going to say I'm there. Even I struggle with it still all the time. It's just a constant struggle. I I don't think the struggle ends. I think it's, you learn to hear what is, and you learn to choose, right? So it's like, I kind of have to sometimes look at myself as little Kira playing in a sandbox. And it's like, when I have those negative conversations I literally picture myself talking to myself in a sandbox going, Kira, you're fat, you're ugly, you're not good enough, you're blah, 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 you're blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, if somebody were talking to my five-year-old that way, I would be like, that is absolutely not true. And how dare you? So. Why can I talk to my little five-year-old self who's just there to be happy and play and love and talk to people? That's just who you are, you know, and we all know who we are deep down. If you think about yourself in that sandbox, you know, you know who you are and you're looking at yourself just shaming the crud out of it. It breaks my heart. Like, so when I picture myself that way, it helps remind me who I'm talking to. I'm talking to Kira, you know, and I'm nobody deserves to be talked to that way, not even me. So I learned to choose, you know, the voice is there and the negative thoughts are there, but I learned to choose that I am still Kira. I am still that little happy sandbox girl that just wants to love and make friends with everybody, right? And um so that was probably my biggest thing because it's true. And I think that the world kind of tells us what we should be and what we should do and what's acceptable and who's going to like you for this or how you're going to fit in here or this and this and this. But if you start trying to please everybody too, I learned that along the way because my entire life has been trying to please people. I'm a pleaser and I just want people to be proud of me. And I think I do whatever I think people will be proud of. And it's really hard because I have been every shape, size, hair color, style, everything you can possibly think of. And it's never exactly what somebody wants. And I've learned that through just trying these things and then ultimately failing and not being enough. And then going back to myself, that's when I have just, learned. I'm happiest there. And people are drawn to that. People are drawn to when you are happy and you are just you instead of, because if you're trying to please everybody else too, it's hard for people to connect to that because then, you know, then they're like, oh, I need to try and please everybody too. You know, oh, I need to like be better too. And oh, I need to, too. Whereas if you're just like, dude, I am messed up as you are. It's like, you don't got to do anything better other than I'm going to, you know, I think that just helps people. We're all just messed up, but it's hard to let go of because we're afraid that we are going to be unimportant and not loved and rejected. And it's like, you know what? There will always be those people who see the little kid in the sandbox and they scoop you up and go, I need a hug. There's always going to be those people Um, that's helped me. And I don't know. I just, I am full of gratitude. And I think that, you know, when you look around like the other day, and I don't honestly know exactly how I got there, but like, there'll be times when I'm sitting in my living room and it's like every prayer I've ever had. I think I was talking to you about that, Jess, like everything I've ever prayed for, I have. And in the weirdest roundabout, ugliest way possible, like, uh, but I have it. And it's like, I've gotten the family, a messed up family. Sure. That didn't last for very long. Sure. But I decided I was going to do it my way, but God's like, okay, okay. You prayed for it. You go your way Kira. But if you could just wait, I have a better plan, but you know, sometimes we're just so anxious. And I think sometimes we just have to step back and allow it to happen because it will happen. But um, I don't know. I think just getting older and messing up and making mistakes and And talking to people and having people love me and leaning into fear, that's a big one too. Leaning into the things that I'm scared of. The more I do that, the more I find that the things I'm scared of are typically what I'm supposed to be doing. And there's always a community of people willing to cheer me on. And so that's been cool too.
0: Either way. I also heard you say when you first, when you went to that recovery uh, when you went to the recovery place in Salt Lake City, um, that you went through riding exercises, and that's when you heard the third voice. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm wondering if that's have you how have you continued to hear the third voice? Well, it's it's really easy. Well, okay, so it's kind of funny.
2: Sometimes like all like you can give them names right like you've got your little worry word over here that's always going to tell you like okay shush karen okay like you're going to be like (laughs) you know she's going to tell you well what if well what if what if what if it's like okay i hear you thank you i've got that if you give it a name it's like okay cool you're there got it and then if you got like this like debbie downer over here and you're like hey deb like we need to hush over here. And she's like, well, you know, you're not this and you're not that blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. You've got both these ladies and you're like, okay, cool. I'm still trying to make this decision. If you just quiet down, then I'm going to have to make this decision. Okay. And then you've got, you know, whatever other things your insecurity telling you or, or like the mean person or, you know, and then you've got your little cheerleader, right. You know, and, and then, then they start talking to each other, right? You got the cheerleader and the Debbie Danner's like, you need to hush because you're, you're being too positive. And there's this blah, blah, blah. We all have these conversations in our head. Right. And the more you can just like sit there and listen to the noise and you're in the middle of it, just going, Oh my goodness, guys, like chill out. And then this person's going, Hey, Kira, we're going to go this way. Okay. Okay. Got you. We're going to go like, it's the same thing. Like with, And sometimes you don't always get there on the first route. You're like, okay, let's go, you know, let's go over this way. And I'm going to go hang out with Karen over here. And then, you know, but there's always, I don't know, even if I don't hear it right away, like the more you sit in the quiet, there's just this, like, it's like mom saying, Hey, we got to go. Like, you know, it's like, Hey, this was cool, but Kira, we're leaving. And then we're leaving. Okay. Got it. Like, you don't question your parents the same you do you rebel and you do what you think you want to do, but there's always that, see Kira, I told you and I'm telling you these things because I love you and I want to keep you safe. Not because I don't want you to go and have these experiences, not because I don't want you to go and do this and this and this and this, but I'm telling you these things because I love you and I want to keep you safe. There's that voice, right? It's the same in your head. You just have to learn to kind of, and writing exercises are great for that because, journaling, if you like journal enough and you're writing it down, you can start to like read back through it and identify, oh, there's Karen. Oh, there's Deb. Oh, there's this person. And then you just kind of start to ignore it, those guys. Cause you're like, okay, yeah, I hear you, blah, blah. Now let me get back to the real message, okay? And then when you reread it, you can honestly almost see yourself answering your own questions because it's already in you, it's already there. You just have to learn to hear it, right? And I think that that is God also has all of these people involved. I don't think it's a mistake that we have all these people in our head or or voices in our head. I sound crazy, but it's not. But, you know, all the conversation in our head, right? I don't think it's a mistake because I think that it's like you need to learn for yourself. You need to go and chat with Karen every now and again. and And it just brings you back to like being okay, like I did that. I experienced that. It wasn't right. I don't regret that. And now I'm back. You know, I did that. I know that. And I've, I've tried that and it wasn't right for me. So now I'm back, you know, and I think that that's what life is, is it's just, okay, you know, and it's one, one step at a time. And you have people along the way too, who are like, also looking for somebody to help them back on their own little track, you know? So I don't know. We all have those voices and there's always that one that's like, okay, come back. So I don't know.
1: I think I'm curious now too, when um, you kind of say that people are put into your life and you do have, you have found a community that um, especially with the new trainers and where you are now training I guess I'm a little more curious about that community and what it's done for you, and how I guess you feel about either how you want to contribute to it or, um, yeah, like really how'd you get into it, or because even as you were saying, there could be some fear or some doubt when people want to get into do anything like jump into this or jump into this, or, um, so I guess a little bit. I want to hear more about how you kind of jumped in and really got into a community, kind of how they, how, how that worked for you and how did that, um, yeah, yeah. how did it continue to help you? Well,
2: community, I believe is everywhere. I think that we keep ourselves from being a part of community out of fear, or at least I know I did for the longest time because it's like, Oh, rejection is a scary thing, right. In anything you do, in your job, in your gym community, in your church community, in your friends community, whatever, you know, and I think that that is where you just have to be brave. And it's, it's funny because you practice bravery, right? Like this last year was a big one for me. Uh, It was, it was very hard, but I would do little things like, like wearing shorts at the gym. I'm insanely uncomfortable in shorts, insanely uncomfortable, but I know that. And I was like, I am going to wear shorts today. And the whole workout was super awkward and super uncomfortable, but I did it. And did I die? No. And did anybody say anything? No. And did, you know, and so then you just do it again. Like, okay, I'm going to wear shorts again. You do it again and you just do it until you're comfortable with it. I even had um, uh, one of, so that's another thing, like people being put in your life at the right time, right? Well, I had this person approach me and he's like, Hey, I was just wondering, like, can I coach you? And I'm like, what do you mean? And he was like, just starting out as life coaching. Right. And the timing was perfect. So, and this taught me to lean into those little things and practice those little things. So I am very, Shy. I'm very shy. I don't know if you know that, but I'm extremely shy. And, uh, I would typically, and one of my things was, is I wanted more community. So I made it an actual goal that I had to start a conversation with somebody that I've never had a conversation with once, once a week. And then it went to once a day. And then now I can just talk to people, but it was very awkward, but The cool thing is, is the amount of people that I met and the amount of stories that I heard and the amount of love that I got was mind blowing. But I was so afraid of starting a conversation with somebody because like my breath would get tight and my hands would get sweaty and like just saying hi to somebody I don't know at the gym. I Now, I don't even care where I'm at. It's funny. We'll be at the pump and I'll be talking to some gas person like that person next to me. um, And you learn all about them. It's like, oh, hey, we just moved here and we just started a moving company and this and this. And then you're like, oh, cool. Yeah. Now I know this moving company. And now I can talk to this person when they're like, hey, I need somebody to help me move. It's like, oh, I got the perfect guy. Let me just give you this. That's how community works. You just have to lean into the uncomfortable. It is super uncomfortable. It is super awkward. Anything you ever start is super awkward. And like, that's my next challenge in life for me is I want to do something that I am never done before that I'm really bad at, like terrible at that I have no idea. So like we went to this jujitsu place for penny. And I was like, I'm going to take a jujitsu class. I have no flipping clue about jujitsu, but I'm like, just got to go. So I go and they're all men that are twice my size, Scrappling around and jujitsu is an amazingly knowledgeable sport. You have to know what you're doing before you do anything. So I get in there and they're all doing their thing, and I'm literally sitting there learning how to fall down. Amongst all of these people, I'm learning how to fall down, but they all had to learn to fall down too, right? So that's the thing. You are at the same point that other people have been at, you just got to start. And once you start and you practice, and you practice, and you practice, then you get better. And then you don't think about it anymore. So I think that that's a big one when it comes to building community is go and smile at somebody. If that's all you can do, smile at somebody. If you can say hi, say hi. Not everybody's going to want to talk to you. Not everybody's going to smile back. Not everybody's going to like you. It's just going to happen. But you're going to meet at least one person in that day who will smile back to you. And that person could change your life. They could they could point you in directions you didn't even know. And it's amazing when you start doing that just at the jujitsu gym tonight, okay? Super funny, small story. Took Penny to her first jujitsu class the last week. And the guy that was helping me fall down yesterday, I saw him in our gym. What? What? So I saw him in our gym, then come to find out that my co-trainer goes over there and he trains with that coach, right? And that coach trains his daughter as well. So now Penny and his daughter are both in the same class. Then who? guess who comes rolling in the door? I took another new thing. I went and tried a boxing class in a park the other day and I made some new friends there and I took a boxing class. Guess who rolls in the jiu-jitsu door? These people that I took the boxing class with. So I've just built this community of people in this jujitsu gym I had no idea that any of them were connected. But the more you put yourself out there and the more you just say hi and the more you try uncomfortable things, it all comes back into this big, like you're just part of a community and the community gets bigger and bigger and bigger and we're all connected. Like Boise's small, you know?
0: So it's cool. I actually really appreciated what you just said there about everybody had to learn how to fall down. I was just like, wow, that is so powerful. Even just hearing that everyone has to learn how to fall down. And every single person was once there. So thank you so much for sharing that. And Mm -hmm. I know that you, you placed second in this bodybuilder competition in two different events, and I don't really understand bodybuilding. So can you help me understand the two events that you did place in and what that even means? And like yes. what goes into an actual like what goes into competing? Cause that seems very rigorous. So what's the diet and and how does that change depending on if you're going into a competition, et cetera?
2: Yeah. So um bodybuilding has different divisions. So for women, I believe that there is a bikini, wellness, figure, physique, and then bodybuilding. It starts with bikini a little bit more slender, a little bit more feminine, muscular legs, but not too lean, not like super lean, um, but lean. I mean, you know, and then it goes into figure where they're a little bit more muscular um, on their upper body and in their legs. They're just all over a little bit more muscular with a little bit more of the X shape. Um, And then so funny because like bodybuilding, it's kind of like a dog show. Like, it's just like, <laughs> get up there and they're like, best breed, you know, or whatever. And then wellness is um, thicker legs, um, not as lean, but more muscle mass on the lower half of the body. Physique is just under bodybuilding. So it's a well-rounded all over muscular, leaner than the other four. And then you go into bodybuilding, which is straight up like as ripped and grainy as you can get, right? Um, And big as you can get. Um, I competed and then there's different levels too. So there's the National League or the Natural League. And then there's also the um, NPC, which is not, um, you know, you can take enhancing um, supplements. Um, So I am all natural, but I competed in the NPC, which is the not natural one. Um, And I competed in figure and physique um figure is i I got second in figure and I also got second in women's physique so um when you if you top if you place in the top I think it's the top three they may have changed it this year I think to the top five i'm not sure i'm not positive on that one, but then you qualify for a national show if you go to nationals and you place in a national show in the top i don't i think it's like three but again could be five if you top in the top then you can compete for your pro card um So that's, that's that, but this was my first show in eight years. So that was kind of cool. So what goes into prepping for a bodybuilding competition is typically you do what's called we upregulate. So we get your body to build muscle. And when you're building muscle, people don't even know this, but it's super uncomfortable, especially if you're used to being lean, you got to be in a surplus of calories. So you're going to put a little bit of fluff on with your muscle. You can't build muscle unless you're in a surplus. You can kind of maybe maintain and build maybe just a little bit if you're at maintenance, but you have to be in a surplus. So you're going to put on a little bit of fluff on top of it. And then, um, it comes a time where then after you've built the muscle, you go into, we start cutting. Um, so you start cutting your calories and upping your cardio so that your, um, the goal is to maintain the muscle mass that you've built in off season, but cut the fat off of the top. So, that's when you go into like, um, you're no longer building, you're not getting any more muscles. You're just kind of stripping the fat off of the muscles that you built. And that is horrible. (laughs) You slowly cut like your, everybody's different too. You slowly cut your calories and then you up your cardio. Your workouts typically are like cardio in the morning, lift cardio after when it gets down to it. And, and then like peak week, you're, you're eating, very little amounts. Um, typically, it's just like some people do—just tilapia and asparagus, because asparagus is a diuretic, and you're just eating protein, and you know. So you're trying to get your body, your body fat down to the lowest level you can. Um, and then they start playing. So then, at the end, though, it's very interesting because typically, um, you have to fill your muscles back up because what happens when you get super lean? is you deplete all of your glycogen levels and you pretty much just become a flat pancake. Right. And you're just soggy and flat. So then at the very end, they're like, you're going to eat 200 grams of carbs when you're used to 50. And you're like, what the week before you go on stage. And so fills all your muscles back up, you know, and, um, and then after the show, then you have to upregulate again because you can't just go from eating like you were and doing like you were to like, Whatever. You have to like slowly upregulate too. So it's not just like you're done. You're never done. That's the thing with fitness too that I love. There's never a finish line ever. You're always doing something else. Your goals can change, but it's never like, oh, I did my diet for a month. Now I'm done and I never have to do anything again. Nope. always there you always got to do something our bodies always have to continue to work and adapt and change and whatever you know it's never that journey is so fun because it's just like life it's never like done you're just constantly evolving to the next thing but yes so after the show then you upregulate and you slowly bring your calories back up and you do it all over again then you build more muscle for the next show and then you cut it all off so it's very slow long
0: process but it's really cool okay yeah. so here this is where i'm like how do you have the self-discipline to do that because i feel like that's really hard to do
2: yeah well so what motivated me this last show was the community to be quite honest with you i went into it and i was gonna do a show and then um you know, my coach and other people at the gym were like, you should, they were just like rooting for me, you know? And I was like, okay, well I want to push myself. So I'll just train. Like I'm going to do a show and I'm not really going to do a show. And then the more you got into it, then I had people like, you know, wanting to do things for me. So like my posing coach was just super, super kind. And and we worked together and I didn't want to let her down because we'd become really good friends and she'd invested in me. And so her investing in me is now like, now I need to show what we've worked on. You know, I can't just take her time and not do anything with it. Or like my suit. I had a, a, a woman that I used to do her hair. She used to make the bodybuilding suits in Boise. And, and, um, she, I reached out to her cause I was like last minute and she completely, she was like, well, you can take one of the ones that I had made that somebody didn't take and I'll jewel it for you. And so like, again, I can't, take that and then not show it, you know, and then my coach, the amount of extra time, and this was during COVID. So, you know, gyms were closed and whatnot. And he would work out out of his garage with me. And like these people giving their time and their energy to me motivated me because I needed to get up there and go, look what we did guys. Like, look, it was amazing. It wasn't, it wasn't about me at that point. It was about all of these people put their time and energy and effort and into me, me. And so I can't just not do it. So that's what motivated me this last show was I just, I had to do it because we had to do it. Like, you know, and uh, so that's what motivated me. And, and it wasn't, it wasn't an option because anytime I would think about, you know, like getting up or whatever, just think of all the people I'd be letting down. Right. Like, yeah. Anyway.
0: And I guess the one thing we haven't really covered is being a single mom yourself. That's oh, yeah. like for you. So I I want us to just kind of tap, like, just briefly go over or whatever you want to share in that regard. But what what are the 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 beauties of being a single mother, and what are some of the challenges that go with that as well? Um, and how can other yeah. people make it easier for you? Like how how have maybe people made it easier, and how have and how can people assist? people who are in that situation.
2: Okay. Yeah. Being a mom, uh, first of all, has taught me more about life than anything else. You want to talk about learning about like your relationship with God, like every little hard thing that I've had to do with my daughter. I'm like, this is just like Jesus going, <sighs> Kira, like, you know, or God going, all right, you can do it your way, but we're going to still get in the car and go to school. <laughs> so it's like, it's taught me so much just about our heavenly father being our heavenly father. Cause he literally is. And when you see your kid struggling with something and just so heartbroken, you're brokenhearted and you just, you can just watch them. And God's just watching us going, I love you. And I can't fix it because like, Until you see a toddler throw a fit and there is absolutely nothing you can do, you just sit there and all you can do is say, I love you. I'm here to talk when you're ready. I love you. I'm here to talk when you're ready. And that's exactly what God's doing. I love you. I'm here to talk when you're ready. So it's taught me so much about that relationship and just those lessons that are like, oh, I get it now. I get it. So that's probably been the biggest blessing of having a kid is just, it's really just taught me so much about just me and how God views us. And then I want to be that for her, you know, and I am her safe place and I am her rock when she's struggling and, you know, it's just, she's just learning. And so it's funny because it's just on a smaller picture. Right. Um, The next thing is, being a single mom is very, very difficult. Like, especially I've been blessed enough to have um, even just my family community, right? I don't have a traditional family set up, but her dad and I, we've, we are very good co-parents. We care about each other and we care about her. And so that community in itself and his family cares about her and my family cares about her and we all care about each other. So just, even that small community, it's amazing because it makes me think about, you know, the more people to love her, the better. And I think that with everybody, like the more people you can surround yourself to love you, the better. And um, so that's been amazing. And then as far as work goes and the gym goes, when I was, I learned so much. I've always been afraid of mom friends. I don't know why. Like, I just, I get more nervous around like women friends. And I think it's because, Um, there's that sense of not being good enough, I think, because women are so hard on themselves and, you know, it's like, if we're thinking it, then they're probably thinking it about me too. And it's just that really, I've always struggled with that. And I've always been afraid to actually make real friends because I feel like there was just that underlying, um, manipulative, you know, what, I don't know. I just didn't trust it. So anyways, having my daughter during COVID and doing this, um, my daughter's side by the way um and doing this show going in and having people help me like just offering I had one friend I was on the stairmaster doing cardio and she's like oh it's Penny in there I'm going to take her with my kids and we're going to go to the park you just come meet us when you're done it just it just is just like oh my goodness like thank you you know and Then that makes me want to do the same thing for my other friends, you know? So like, I have other friends who have kids and they're stay at home moms. They're not single moms, but you know, it's like, how do they get their run in? Like, I'm like, Hey, I'm going to take the kids. You go run. Okay. And then you can come back because it's important. And just having people reach out and do it, like, just be that person, be like, Hey, go run, taking your kids, go run. Like. And not even asking, just being there and offering and helping. If you see a need and you see somebody struggling, help, period. Like, I learned that a lot. And my community, my gym community, did that so much for me with my kiddo. It's just amazing. And, um, it, it again, you... It, it just starts this wave of, because they did it for me, I want to do it for them. And then they're doing it for me. I want to do it for them. And then we become a community and we're like, Hey, what if we do like, and then, then you start thinking about like, okay, how can I help moms that really have this need? How can I help them? Because they've helped me so much. So, um, it's kind of cool in that sense. That's, but it is a struggle. Like, being a single mom, you know, not being able to work more because you have your kid or do all the things because you have your kid. Like now I only train one day a week at the gym because, you know, I have Penny until she goes to kindergarten. Um, And I would love to do more, but I can only do that much. But um, it's also cool because Penny is just a part of the gym now. She's just a part of the community. At my old salon, she would come in and people would like, oh no, you're good. Like we got her. We're going to go talk over here. Penny just makes friends with people. We go, we'll go to the gym. She goes to my workouts with me and she looks forward to it. I'm like, she's like, what are we doing today? Mom? I'm like, well, we got to go to the gym. She's like, which gym? I say, we're going to Trevor's. She's like, okay, that's cool. And then, <laughs> then she'll go and she'll sit on the couch and she'll make herself at home. And she's just got this whole thing. And the fact that they allow her to be a part of it is just so awesome because I couldn't do anything unless these people allowed her to be there. So, um, yeah. But the biggest blessing of being a mom is just seeing, seeing her and she makes me laugh all the time. So, and learning. Yeah. It's beautiful.
0: So I think we're going to just wrap things up. Jessica, if you have a last question or anything that you want to ask Kira.
1: I don't know if it's a question, but as, as I've been, well, as we've been chatting and listening, I just feel like some, some of the things or things that I have felt and have connected with and, and listening to was just, Uh, how much of a fighter you are, Kira, first of all, like, you do not quit. And I feel like there were how many times through a lot of the things that you have shared, I feel like, like, don't give up. Don't give up. Gratitude, like, this this attitude of gratitude. And, uh, you know, uh, when you talk about being able and vulnerability, I mean, we didn't maybe say the word but I feel like that was such a theme in that, like getting over some of these fears and opening up to these people that can come into your life. And I just was like, these are, I mean, these are the things I think that I just from listening to you, I was like, wow, what well, you are a powerhouse. And I just feel like, man, don't give up gratitude, vulnerability, like lean into the uncomfortable. Um I just, all these things really, you know, ignite a fire, right? Like, and, and I think this is possible for anyone to do. And I, you know, and I, I've trained with Kira a few times now and um, that, that to go back to that safe place or that she is such a fun time at the gym. Like we had a, we had a good time and it truly was a safe place, you know, for all of the reasons why. I mean, that we talked about today, because there's, well, there's humor, there's vulnerability, there's realness, there's a don't give up attitude, there's that, I guess, I'm just very grateful. So I guess I just wanted to share some of those thoughts that I was having and some of those lessons learned from just even talking with Kara today um, as kind of my own little wrap up of being able to, to learn from Kara.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think, thanks so much for, I feel like consolidating some of the things that Kira has talked about in this conversation. And Kira, before we wrap this up, what would you say to a younger version, maybe the version of you before you even, like when you, a younger version of yourself, whether it's that five year old self or the 11th grader that's trying to change her who she is so that she can be liked? Or whatever it may be, but what advice would you give to a younger version of yourself? Honestly, I think that um, I would say,
2: Kira, people are cheering for you. They are. There are so many people cheering for you. It's crazy. And once you just allow them, again, when you allow people to cheer for you, they want to. Like, they really do. And it's super exciting. And like, that's one thing that I've learned, especially this last year is there's going to be haters, but there's going to be 10 times more people who are just rooting for you and allow it. Like, don't question it. Just allow it.